0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. That was Michael Nania's reaction to, I don't even know, (laughs) what we just witnessed.
1: I don't know what that was. I can't believe it happened. This is the best thing to happen to the Jets in probably (laughs) this decade, probably since they walked (laughs) off the field in Foxborough in 2010. Maybe you could argue the Giants and Pats games in 2015. I definitely had similar reactions to those games, but... Oh my God! This game is just—I don't—I don't, I don't even—and you know, let's first of all just look at the situation. The Jets completely, in tank fashion, blew this game, and this was seconds away from being us being depressed right now. But Henry Ruggs, Derek Carr, coming, and Lamar Jackson, and Greg Williams coming through in amazing fashion. At I, I don't need this is. I, I can't even believe that was real. I still can't believe it. Was I, real. I hate
0: I hate that they've done that, this. These us. things
1: don't happen to the Jets. I, I can't.
0: Well, they it. do, but they do. I mean, this was almost painfully Jets. In any other year, that would have been the most ridiculous loss we've ever seen. And I hate right. that we're geeking out over the fact that the Jets just blew the most ridiculous win ever. I mean, I literally it was like the Heidi game, coincidentally against the Raiders again. I changed the channel. I'd already switched the Jags Vikings while well, I was like, well, well, this game's over. Let's see if the Jags can come through. I saw a tweet that Derek Carr missed Nelson Aguilar deep for a touch. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, wait. that play, I was, I was so mad. I, I uh, have the reaction of to that, too. I was, yeah.
1: like, I was, so, <laughs> I was so angry. That, your that reaction, was by the way, was. Golden opportunity. Yes. I mean, and, and like you'd think that would be, you know, getting one chance like that in that moment is the best you can hope for. But Greg Williams has other ideas calling, like you said, just calling Engage
0: Eight <laughs> on four, four seconds left. Needing with the other team, needing a Hail Mary. I had switched the TV right back as they were snapping that play, and I, I didn't even know how to read. I mean, I was my reaction was quite similar to yours, Michael. I mean, I sounded like a crazy person, but I had no idea what had happened. I mean, I was like, is this even real? I wasn't even fathoming mean, how do they get the ball back? How are they in that good of field position? How do they even have a chance to do this? Um, but yeah, I guess I was waiting for something bad to happen. He bobbled yeah. it, there was a penalty flag. Oh, that they, ball was in there forever. too
1: early. And it seemed like the ball was up there for my – I feel like half my life was spent watching, waiting for that ball to come down. But it It fell right into Henry Ruggs's arms. I was going to play him on my fantasy team. I went with Aguilar instead, which was okay.
0: But I would have loved to have that. So the obvious question pops up when we look at this and we say, how the fuck did this even happen? I mean, this should have been a Jets W. We should have been preparing for the Justin Fields podcast because that's what I – I mean, there's a whole two minutes there where – you and everybody else on Jets Twitter was just depressed that the Jets had missed out on Trevor Lawrence. Thank now we're, you know, Ty Johnson and Josh Adams carried us to one and 11. Um, it was quite a depressing two minutes. But the fact that the Jets blew this game, the the question immediately arises and it, it, everybody's going to point it out on Twitter and everybody, hell, even players in the locker room are probably mentioning this. Did the Jets intentionally tank? And it sounds completely ridiculous, but Michael, I want to get your t- your thoughts on this first and then we'll run through a few Uh, scenarios about this because there's not many ways you can defend greg williams's play call cover zero three guys back man coverage on some fast receivers and henry Henry ruggs is the fastest receiver in the entire nfl draft drew comparisons to tyree kill some people thought the jets would take him and we have an undrafted corner lamar jackson one-on-one with him i mean there's no way that greg williams didn't know what he was doing right
1: yeah, it's definitely a, a legitimate question because the calls are so bad. And it wasn't even just that one. I, I mean, the previous play wasn't exactly zero safety. They had May back there, but they just played it so badly. It still wasn't an ideal call for that situation. But the topic's definitely going to be brought up. For me personally, I don't I, 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 I don't think, because Greg Williams, there's no guarantee his is back. The Jets are probably cleaning house. I don't see why he would be motivated to make a tank call. It'd be different if he was a first year young coordinator who's, you know, is going to be here, but I don't see why he would be motivated to make a tank call. Unless like you said, there is, you know, some sort of deal going on where Douglas is promising him his job back because of plays like that. But I, I, I really don't think that's the case, but at the same time, I, it's such a hard call to defend. It just makes zero sense In that situation, that's a Hail Mary situation. And to have zero safety help at all, man to man across the board, is it's literally the only thing, the only way you could cover it worse is by lining up as if you're trying to block a field goal or a punt. It is absolutely the worst thing to do, not only in that situation, but considering the gravity of that moment, it's as bad of a play call as you can make defensively in any moment in a football game. So I don't see what the defense is. At the same time, I don't know why he
0: would be motivated to do that. It, it's just a really yeah, hard. Yeah, I understand. mean, Dan is saying that Greg Williams does that every time in that situation. I don't know if I've seen that, but I'll go. I'll take his word on. it. I guess the idea is that look, the Raiders have to have uh, you know around five seconds to get that throw off. If you rush eight, they're not going to be able to block everybody who's coming. You can get a quick hit on the quarterback. The game's going to be over. They have no timeouts. They can't go underneath. So there's some sort of logic there but it makes no sense i mean in that situation just play prevent defense have three guys lined up in the end zone that's the the only way they can beat you is if they burn you and it and the chances of henry ruggs burning lamar jackson is about an 85% chance and i think that's why everybody's struggling to rationalize this um i'm sure that adam GaSe and greg williams or will maintain the fact that this was just an aggressive play call that they weren't trying to blow it but and the, the players question, are calling them out already. The, the, that's May. what I was gonna I was gonna mention. Yeah. Even if, even if it was a a play called in good faith to win the game, you can guarantee there are players in that locker room who are questioned. They already have publicly. Marcus May is already questioning it. Adam Gay seemed to have questioned it. Um I mean, what are your thoughts on the effect that that might have on on the team? Um, the negative side of tanking. And and normally we've said it on this podcast before that, you know, look, there's not really you know, such thing as tanking in the NFL. It's more from a management perspective. Maybe maybe you play a guy like James Morgan, um, but the players, they're always going hard. They're hard as coaches. They don't want to be attached to an 0-16 season. They're going to get fired too, so they're never tanking. But this was about as blatant of a tanker that I've ever seen. And, and even if it's not, that question is going to be raised. What are your thoughts on, on the, the effects that this will have on the locker room for the next Four games but maybe even potentially after that i mean i would imagine that if the jets do go zero in 16 if if this is um something that plagues them for the last four, month of the season i can't imagine it's going to be a very good locker room that that uh that the, the new head coach is going to be walking into that trevor lawrence right. is going to be walking into and if joe douglas has talked talked so much about building a culture there's some negatives here and i understand that we're willing to sacrifice everything including sam Darnold, for the number one overall pick but there are some things that aren't necessarily quantifiable that the jets are going to have to, to deal with um, over the next few months. And and even into early 2021. Yeah. I I do
1: think over the next four games, like, and we're already seeing it just the minutes after this game, Marcus may questioning Greg Williams, Sam Darnold with the kind of non-committal answer as well. Um, So we're already seeing it, but over the next four games, it's going to be bad. There could be really like, seriously bad fallout in terms of finger pointing over the next four games i i don't think there's going to be long-term effects though because most of the guys involved in this and the coaching staff are probably going to be gone including greg williams i don't think there's a conspiracy behind the scenes with keeping him um so most of the coaches involved will be gone and air the air really tends to clear over an off season and i don't think momentum in any way carries over especially again that you're getting rid of most of the guys involved in this so I don't think there's going to be much carryover and you know if, if Lawrence is coming out anyway I don't there have been a lot of reports dispelling that he has any indi- uh, intention of not playing for the team that gets the number one pick so I, I don't think there's going to be any impact there but over the next four games I, I definitely think it could get ugly because like you said even if it wasn't a blatant tank call. It looks like it was. So the question is going to be raised and players can't be happy about it. So it's going to get ugly. And I think it could affect them on the field too. The matchups are already hard enough with the Seahawks yeah. and Rams coming up Browns at the Browns have looked like a team that they maybe could steal just because the Browns, you know, win so many close games against lesser opponents, maybe they're a pretender, uh, but they come out against the Titans and play a, even though they did choke the lead away, still an extremely impressive win there, so that doesn't look winnable. They couldn't beat the Pats at home with Flacco playing an outstanding game. So, it all the matchups are already bad, right? This, that this is really going to drag the team down. I think just the yeah, morale. The,
0: yeah, the Pats Week 17 game is clearly the one that worries me the most. The next three, I feel pretty confident about, and the fallout from this game, I do think the Jets are going to get absolutely slaughtered. They're going to have to travel to the West Coast, I think. There are certainly going to be players in that locker room calling bullshit. We're not trying to win any games here. Why should I try? And Marcus May, he had a few bad plays, but he played a damn good ball game. I mean, he made some incredible plays in the Raiders' yeah, he had previous some, drive. He had some
1: really clutch plays to keep them in it. And then, right. and then at the end, kind of reverse those. But,
0: right. I mean, he only, he only got burned by Aguilar, I guess. But yeah, outside of that.
1: Yeah. The reason the Jets you know, had a chance to win the game was mainly him, some of the plays he's making.
0: Yeah. So I feel like the Jets are going to get slaughtered for the next – yeah. three games that 17 game scares me, but the Jaguars did take the Vikings into overtime. They had a chance to win it. They the, missed the Jaguars
1: just continue to play good teams. If you want to consider the Vikings good, but they played uh, green Bay and Cleveland well, but they continue to play good teams really closely. Even without Minshew, they just said Mike Glennon uh, Schefter reported Mike Glennon going to be playing next week as well. So uh, they haven't been able to pull it out. They've been right there. seems like they're so close. Maybe that Bears game is the one they'll get in a few weeks.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I think the Bears game is is the one everybody's eyeing. I think that is a game that they might even be favored in. Uh, I don't think they win against the Titans. Maybe they can upset them. Yeah, Titans, um, uh,
1: home against Titans, at Ravens, home against Bears, and at the, Colts. So at, the, at Colts the,
0: game, game. the at Colts game is an important one to keep an eye on. It is week 17. Indianapolis might be able to rush their starters in that game. So that's another one to, to keep an eye on. Um, But the next two games, the the Jaguars should be.
1: And and in terms of the strength of schedule, that continues to look more on. This was a big day. There were some important games. And in the early slate, the Jets lost all three of the games they needed. So the gap is really wide. And it's very unlikely the Jets can come back there. So they are going to have to. It looks like, barring a miracle, they're going to have to stay uh, in the number one slot outright if they're going to win it. And that the Jaguars pretty much have strength of schedule lockdown right now the Jets strength of schedule is 602 which is insane I don't know if I've ever seen a number that high and the Jaguars are at 551 so it's it's a really wide gap right now with not a lot of time left uh, to fix it so it seems like the Jets will have to stay ahead but this was and it seems like a few weeks in a row we have said this with the Patriots the Chargers now the Raiders Dolphins game we probably thought Raiders were tougher but this was as winnable of a game as you could ask for a Raiders team without Jacobs and Jets came out and played really well and came out and they actually had a chance to win in the final two minutes for the first had a lead um, near the end of the game for a a very rare time this season but and they still couldn't pull it out and they blew it in about as improbable of a fashion as you can imagine so if they can't couldn't win this game playing a, a good solid game it's hard to imagine them winning of the next four games considering the matchups but but you never know
0: so the race is still on before we talk about the rest of the game i just i want to get your final say on this and i'm sure there's going to be more fallout as you know these are the type of games that lead to unnamed sources going to the media and saying things and there's going to be all sorts of discussion about this tomorrow and throughout the next week um but i want i want your your gut check do you think Greg Williams intentionally threw this game, or do you think he's just an idiot calling an all-out blitz uh, to end the game? I,
1: I don't think he threw it. I, that that's my gut reaction, and that is just an it, idiotic call. I mean, we hear all the time we and and we know from watching him how aggressive he can be, and that it's 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 very bad. It's hard to justify what he did. I don't know what he was thinking, but I just don't think he was motivated by any any tank motivations because of the fact that he's probably not going to be sticking around. But if he does stick around, then then I might look back <laughs> on this to think about it a little bit differently. Right now, though, I don't think it was intentional.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I tend to think that in Greg Williams' eyes, he thought, well, we're sending eight guys. We're going to get there in under two seconds and we're going to bring him down. I'm going to look like a genius. You know, maybe we'll get a turnover or something. It just seems like an unnecessarily risky play, obviously, um, as everybody has already pointed out. Um, but an amazing it's a loss for the jets, but it's really a win um, for the jets. And if the jets do end up securing Trevor Lawrence and they do end up winning a super bowl with him, I think there's going to be a 30 for 30 made about, about this play in this game. I mean, did the jets intentionally tank? Um, yeah, what if, just, if I, I what if, if I told if, you I wonder if
1: Trevor was watching these games? This I
0: guarantee it. you he is. What else is he doing on a Sunday? He's checking out <laughs> Jacksonville in New York. And I don't mean to say anything for the NFL, they have to be damn happy that the Jets blew that because for the NFL, it's much better if Trevor Lawrence is in New York than Jacksonville. There's a lot of people that want to see Trevor Lawrence in New York, and it's not just the Jets. I I, I would imagine that, you know, the NFL, they're, they're not going to do anything intentionally. I mean, look
1: at, just listen to our reactions to the
0: Jets blowing a game. Imagine if they win a playoff Exactly. Game. I mean, they have one of the best fan bases in the biggest market. The NFL wants Trevor Lawrence in New York. Um, yeah. So I, I expect that 30 for 30 to come out, you know, in the next 15 years, what if I told you Greg Williams was not just an idiot that he intentionally threw a game and got fired? What if I
1: told later? you the real mastermind behind Super Bowl 61 was Greg Williams?
0: <laughs> and Lamar, also, Lamar Jackson shouldn't get completely excused. It's not, it's not a hundred percent his fault because one on one with Henry Ruggs in that situation is terrible and it's bad coaching. But what the hell is he doing, biting on a curl with 13 seconds in the game and they have no timeout? It was just, terrible situational awareness Um, probably the worst situational awareness I've seen from a cornerback maybe ever because if I in my mind it's like I have no safety help this is it they have to beat me it's like I'm just running back to the end zone and if they're going to throw it I'm going to have a chance to make that deflection but the fact that he bit on a curl I mean an embarrassing uh, play by Lamar Jackson but it's even more embarrassing that the Jets put him in that situation Right. Um, I'm yeah, sure you, up- you feel bad for him. Definitely. I mean, look, listen, he played it badly and, so, and to no. his credit, to his credit, he did face the music. He did yeah. talk to the media afterwards. So right. I feel bad for him. I hope he can bounce back. Maybe not you know, too much. I still want the jets to lose these next four games or have the Jags win one. And maybe we can, can steal a win. So we're not completely winless, but the goal is Trevor Lawrence and the jets took one giant step in that direction. Um, so let's talk about the rest of the game. I'm sure the rugs play will, will come up, but let's take it back to the beginning. Sam Darnold. What were your thoughts on his performance? I thought it was again, an up and down performance where him had three turnovers, but did make some nice plays. He did, you know, score his first touchdown since week three, the Jets offense was moving the football. If Sam Darnold could just play the Raiders every single week of his career. I mean, he would be an Aaron Rodgers level quarterback, the way that he sliced up this defense in back-to-back years. What were your thoughts on, on the young quarterback's performance? Did he raise his trade value at all? Or do you think, that the turnovers, uh, again, uh, continue to, to, to plummet that stock.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, this was just kind of another one of those games where it was the complete Darnold experience. You saw some good flashes. They moved the ball pretty well. Uh, he had some good plays running with the ball, but uh, the one where he scrambled to the left and had a couple pump fakes, obviously the touchdown was great. And we've seen him score that exact same touchdown. He had two of them last year uh, on those read options to the right, and he did again this year. So we had some good play displays of physical ability, but again, the turnovers, the interception was really bad. There was no reason to try that throw. There was another throw later on a third down to Perriman that could have been intercepted. And then the two fumbles. And the first fumble was pretty bad protection from Becton. That was pretty quick that he allowed it uh, to Cleveland for uh, Cleveland Farrell. So that was probably more on Becton, but so anytime the quarterback fumbles the ball, you know, sack, the sack itself can be on the offensive line, but you always want to hold on to the ball, no matter where the pressure is coming from. So in the, the second fumble, it seemed like he held the ball a little bit too long. So still had the three turnovers. But I, I mean, at this point, from a Jets perspective, if he's going to do anything to increase his chances of staying with the team, he'd have to play a lot better than this. So this was probably his best game of the season, which is odd to say, considering he turned the ball over three times. but. Uh, that's just been the kind of season. That's just the kind of season that it's been for him. But uh, I'm, I'm in terms of throwing the ball, it didn't. I mean, he was good at finding the right read throughout most of this game. But receivers were very open throughout this game. The receivers were separating well. The play calls were mostly decent, I guess, by game standards. So he didn't have to do too much in terms of making tight throws. But he, he did read the field yeah. probably his
0: best this season. And they finally started running some slants and stuff over the middle. It's amazing yeah. that they keep – I mean, Darnold has just been so much better on crossing routes and when he can see the whole field. And Case just for some reason wants to enforce the fact that the Jets are going to attack the sidelines, which is, for a quarterback, the hardest area of the field. Um, but the Jets did run some slants today. The other big thing, and the, the big reason their offense was able to, to move the football is the run game, and they spent all offseason – building an outside zone type of offensive line. And then the two running backs, the Michael P Ryan and Frank Gore, P Ryan might be because he's, he's at a bum ankle, but the two running backs that have been playing have been pretty slow. I mean they have they, they if you have an outside zone type of offensive line, you need a Dalvin cook, you need an Alvin Kamara. you want somebody who, who has a pop in the backfield and, and Ty Johnson and Josh Adams are not Cook or Kamara, but they at least brought some speed and they looked a lot better. Yeah, I mean, if the Jets did win this game on the
1: strength of Ty Johnson and Josh Adams, they wouldn't have felt good from a fan perspective because even though they played well, I don't think, you know, those are two guys who you could be excited about winning games because of, you know, if it were Denzel Mims, if it, and, and Makai Becton did play well, but Mims, you know, guys like that, then you could be excited. But it wouldn't have been exciting, but they did play very well. Johnson, 22 for 104 and a touchdown, 4.7 average. Josh Adams, 8 for 74, 9.3 ad, uh, average. Especially Adams looked really good. But uh, they look, definitely looked like in massive improvements over Gore and the Michael P. Ryan. I, I posted a tweet about Gore getting injured is the worst thing that happened to the Jets in this game, and from a tank perspective. But um, this, they definitely have more juice than either of those two guys have, Gore or P. Ryan, And I, I think this is just what the Jet. I think the line has been blocking well enough to produce this type of running game throughout the season, but Gore and Pirine just aren't the guys to take advantage of it. So uh, we'll, we'll see if they can maintain the success over the next few games if Johnson and Adams continue to get carries. Uh, because I do think this line has been blocking well enough to lead a good run, running game, and that Gore and Pirine just have not been good. They very rarely break tackles, and their vision is not as good as I think that you know you would think it would be for a veteran in Gore. He misses a lot of holes. So I, I think those guys have just played bad, and Johnson and Adams came in, and they finally took advantage of a line that's played. Even even in this game with Josh Andrews and the Elf line in there was still blocking pretty well. So uh, they just look, they look solid in this game. Vision was good. The burst was they, – they didn't break a ton of tackles, but they were taking advantage of the holes that were there, and they had burst through them just the speed to take full advantage of it that Gore and P. Ryan have not shown. So they
0: were impressive. Obviously, those two guys you don't want to rely on to be starters long-term, but certainly deserve to, to be brought back in training camp. They, they brought the juice, and, and part of the reason they looked so good was the offensive line's performance in the run game. I felt in the passing game they didn't do too great, um, an up-and-down game from them. What were your thoughts on on their performance? Makai Becton gave up two strip sacks, but otherwise played well. Um, the interior of the offensive line, Greg Van Roten got hurt, I think, on the first play of the game or the second play of the game. They brought in Josh Andrews, not the rookie Cam Clark. Elfline is getting another game at left guard. He had some moments. Um, Just kind of your thoughts on on the overall uh, performance from from this uh, front five.
1: Yeah, and I definitely think in the run game this was – and like I said about the running backs, I feel like they have been run blocking well uh, throughout the season. But you really saw it unlocked in this game with, I think, better scheme fits in the backfield. But in in the running game, they were really good, especially on outside zone plays. Becton was clearing the edge – every single time. So in the run game, Becton, especially because we don't care about Andrews or out flying, but Becton in this game uh, in the running game, I think he was really good. He, he they were, uh, you hear it all the time. Like they should run left, run behind Becton and they haven't done it enough this season, but in this game, a lot of their big runs were to the left side, uh, you know, out to the edge too. So he was doing really good in this game on the ground and pass protection. There were definitely some shaky plays. He gave up the first strip sack, Uh, That was a pretty legitimate sack. The second one was a stunt that him and Elfline kind of botched. And that was a pretty long developing play. So it was sort of on coverage and Darnold for not getting the ball out. I'd have to watch it again, but that was a longer developing one. It was a stunt, not necessarily entirely Becton's fault, but he was definitely partially in on that. And you would have liked to see a better rep. So there were some mistakes Uh, in the passing game. And especially this is against a Raiders team that is very bad at pass rushing. And Cleveland Farrell's not done much of anything this season. So definitely not good in that phase. But in the running game, he's fantastic. And and that's not a trend either. He's been very good in pass protection throughout the season. So it's not as if this is something worrisome. It was a down game, but you'd you'd have to see a few more to actually be worried. And we know how banged up he's been throughout the season. Uh, There was another, again, in this game, Uh, it seemed like he was banged up a little bit. So uh, in pass protection, this was probably his worst game. But in the running game, this might have been his most impactful game of the season. And we talk about the running game being the reason the Jets are in this. They ran for more yards than they threw for. So, And they even averaged pretty much the exact same amount of yards on their rushing plays as they did on their passing plays. They had 6.1 yards per rush. And in the passing game, they averaged only about 5.9 yards per play so they're actually running for more yards than they threw for and becton was the main reason that the running game was that effective so despite the past game
0: struggles we saw i think in this game how dominant he can be on the ground yeah absolutely i mean and i think the the other guy that that impressed me this game is Connor mcgovern i feel like he's had a rough season i thought he looked pretty good in this game uh and, and we were talking about it we forgot to mention it in the podcast last week that in the offseason, McGovern was a guy that we felt was going to be a really good center because he had a lot of the intangibles that you need in a center is uh, chemistry between your offensive linemen, the ability to, to, to feel the interior defensive linemen and know where he needs to help his guards, the mental side of the game. And it was when he lost, it was generally the physical side. It was he was a little bit smaller than other centers. He wasn't as strong, maybe as quick, but he had a lot of the mental uh, abilities that you'd want in a center. But this year, it's been the complete opposite, where all of his mistakes have come in not being able to identify the who's blitzing, not being able to feel which guard needs his help the most, picking the wrong side. And his wins have been anytime he just has a one-on-one block, he is winning that block. Um, so there's some positive and some negative. We've seen both things from McGovern, but he hasn't really been able to put it all together for the Jets. I thought this was one of his better games as a pro. Yeah, I definitely agree. And you pretty
1: much laid out his season perfectly. He's been the opposite of last season. It hasn't been there fundamentally or mentally either with just the decision-making and the recognition, the awareness. But physically, I mean, McGovern looks as good as we've seen from Jet center, and not to compare him to the terrible starters they've had, but he looks good in one-on-one situations, uh, both in the passing game and the run game. Physically, it's been there, and I think he saw a lot of that in this game, and not too much, uh, too many mistakes on the mental side of it. So this was a good game for him. And it, it's it's promising to see him thriving physically because mentally, we know he has that. We saw it in Denver last season. Maybe it's just chemistry at this line. Maybe it's a short and off season. I don't know what it is, but we've seen in Denver, he's great as just in terms of awareness, pickups, things like that. And then this season, we've seen really good one-on-one blocking, just pure physical tools. So if he can bring it all together, he can be a, a really good player. And overall this season, I think he's been OK, not the top 10 player he was in Denver last season, probably a little bit below average this year, which is not necessarily the Jets paid for, but it, it's good enough. And I think he's had a decent season. And He's definitely been improving throughout uh, since really struggling the first few games of the year. And, and this was a good game. I think he's a big part of the success on the ground in this one.
0: Yeah. And part of the reason Joe Douglas really values versatility all over the place, but especially in the offensive line, it's not just the flexibility it gives you in season, but it's the flexibility it gives you in the off season. Because McGovern's a guy that the Jets could move to either guard spot. I think, you know, I think they'll try to pay one of the big guards between Tooney and, and Scherf. Uh, and then whether it's with that Seahawks pick or their first second round pick, you never know. I mean, I think they will take an interior offensive lineman with one of those spots, maybe another day two pick. And if, if the best interior offensive lineman available is a center, a guy like Creed Humphrey, or if the, the best interior, interior offensive lineman is a guard like Trey Smith or Wyatt Davis, they have their pick. They can take the guard, keep McGovern at center, or they can take the center and move McGovern over to guard. And if it doesn't work, you can move on from McGovern after the season. I think it just gives you some flexibility, not just in season, to have a, a versatile interior offensive lineman who can move um, between all three spots. Um, Switching trenches though, Quentin Williams, again, just dominating. Um, Day in and day out. And you know, the Raiders desperately wanted them in that draft class. And so it was good to see him um, play outstanding in this game. Cleveland Farrell had, a, had an outcoming uh, or a breakout game for him as well. Um, but your thoughts on, on Quinton's performance? I mean, this season for him, he undoubtedly deserves a Pro Bowl. You said to me before the podcast that you think if he keeps this up, he'll be the best, second best uh, interior defensive lineman in all of football. Um, what are your thoughts on, on what Quentin Williams is doing for, for this defense in this pass rush?
1: Yeah, he's, he's just incredible right now, and, and he got another sack. You know, he had the production in the box score, got the sack, had three QB hits, uh, had some stuff as well, but there were a ton of pressures that I saw from him as well. The Jets started getting pressure on Carr in this game, and some of, of it was drawn up, but a lot of it was just Quinnen creating one-on-one pressure against a good interior offensive line for the Raiders, especially Rodney Hudson, who's probably the best pass-protecting center of the past decade. So good competition, and he was up to it again. So he just continues to dominate. And and like I said to you before the podcast, coming into this game, he was tied for fifth, or into this week, he was tied for fifth in terms of combined stops, pressures, and pass deflections among interior D linemen, and he's only been playing his best football over the past few weeks of the season. And he's going to be adding to that total quite a bit once the numbers come out for this game. So if he continues on this pace and just keeps improving, he could keep climbing and be right up there with Aaron Donald as not surpassing him because nobody is. He's the best probably player in the league at any position, but he could be right in that, you know, if not second best, he's already in that top five conversation, but look, he's just been flat out dominant. However you want to sum it up in both phases, he's improving. He's not only improved over last season, but week over week just continues to get better and show, continues to show that he can maintain his improved production week over week. Because earlier in the season, he was kind of alternating between great games uh, over the first four games or so. But since then, it's just been week after week he's making an impact. So it is very promising to see what he's doing.
0: Yeah, and, and you have to give a shout-out to Foley Fadacossi and John Franklin Myers for, for... – keeping up that defensive line group, I think. And we've talked about this, the defensive line in, in the NFL is one of the deepest position groups. And that's why I think people were frustrated when the Jets took Quinton Williams, because you can get a good defensive lineman in the third or the fourth round. Quinton Williams, though, is, is proving to be a great defensive lineman. and uh, He's only in his second year, which was in a lot of these defensive linemen uh, do take the, the next step. And I'm excited to see how Quinnen continues to develop. He's still super young and raw, but his technique Um, And the way he transformed his body in the off season is certainly promising um, that he can keep this up. I want to talk about the inside linebackers real quick, and and then we'll wrap it up with some other tank talk and then we'll get out of here. Um, I I saw you tweeting about this earlier, but Harvey Lange and Neville Hewitt, certainly some fun players They make some hard tackles, but can you explain to everybody why they're not good inside linebackers and and maybe what a return to the return of CJ Mosley might mean for this defense next season. Now, of course, Mosley, two years off you never know what type of shape he's going to be in the rust his age um, but certainly a better inside linebacker than those two guys can you just explain the deficiencies that Lange and he would have in coverage and why they are holding this Jets defense back even if they look good on Sundays at times um, their overall impact is still not that positive all right yeah they're they
1: make plays and but I think when you're when you're evaluating linebackers you have to try to focus. On the things that are harder to notice, because every linebacker is going to make a lot of tackles. They're going to have some pass rush production because that's their role. They're sitting there in the middle of the field. They're going to find the football a lot per game. But you, you have to look at the mistakes. I mean, tackles are they, miss, are they missing? What do they do in coverage? And these two guys make a lot of them. So in the, on the ground, I think Hewitt and on the ground and as a pass rusher, I think Hewitt has been pretty solid this season. But in coverage, he's definitely a major liability. And we've seen some examples throughout the year, but when the Jets give up these wide open completions against zone coverages, usually it's on the linebackers for not feeling it out and getting to where they need to be to get in the middle of the passing lane and prevent that ball from being thrown. And that's something that CJ Mosley does so well. A lot of people kind of thought he was, you know, a downhill linebacker who doesn't make plays in coverage. And look, he's not Luke Keekley. I don't want him manning up against Travis Kelsey. But what CJ Mosley did so well to make himself the very rich linebacker he is right now is just the fundamental stuff. He knows how to read route combinations and just innately go where he needs to be to get in the passing lane and force quarterback to pull the ball down and not be able to make completions in the middle of the field against zone coverages. And these two guys, and also last year, who they had uh, Hewitt and Burgess, just, they don't do that. They drop to their spot in zone coverage And they don't really feel out what's going on around them. They just go right to their spot and they kind of just stand there and that's it. So they're pretty big liabilities and coverage. They make some fun plays now and then, but this is, this is a position where the jets can get a lot better. Hopefully Mosley is back and healthy and close to his peak form. It would be massive for them if they can get that, but they're still going to need an upgrade in the other spot. I believe, especially because Hewitt is playing that Mike role for them, you know, as, you know, as a guy who can make an impact for you going downhill, but, that's sort of Mosley's role. You need more athletic guy next to him, I think, who's more versatile in the passing game. And that's not Hewitt's bread and butter. And and Langy also in the or Langy or Longy. I, I think Langy sounds better, so I'm going to go with that. But they say Longy on the broadcast. But uh, he he in the run game. Probably Longy then. Yeah, I I think it is Longy. So we'll go with Longy. But in the run game, he definitely he makes even though he makes some impressive tackles when he does get to the ball he linemen in space are able to push him downfield and create holes. He really gets stuck on blocks at the second level and that leads to some big runs. So linebacker position where the jets definitely need to get
0: a lot better. Certainly. Um, Last thing about the game. Secondary, obviously some, some woes specifically covering the tight end. I mean, Greg Williams did try everything uh, to cover Darren Waller and they really couldn't figure it out. Uh, there's one guy I want to focus on, Bryce Hall. You've been very complimentary of, of his play. What were your thoughts on this game? I think he, he certainly had some bad moments in this one. He had some nice tackles, but um, certainly showing some limitations as a man coverage corner compared to his his excellence as a zone corner. Yeah, there,
1: there were definitely Hall in this game got picked on a lot, and he made some mistakes. Obviously, had the missed tackle on the first touchdown by Waller. In the first half and and he over the first two games got picked on a lot, but he was usually there with some tight coverage, whether it was Allen and Williams against Chargers, Devontae Parker against the Dolphins. This one, I think, was a little more shaky, especially in like uh, because man to man, he was looking really nice in those first two games. His technique was good but in terms of he's definitely involved in quite a few busts and the other guys. I mean, we know what to expect from them. Lamar Jackson on the last play of the game that speaks for itself. And Arthur Millette made some mistakes throughout this game. So the secondary, and it, it's depleted right now. There's not a lot of talent there. So you're going to get, you know what you're going to get from them. But Bryce Hall in this one definitely seemed like it was a step back of a game for him. But at the same time, he's a rookie and he's going through a gauntlet right now. Already had to face uh, great competition over the first two games. And the Raiders have one of the best passing attacks in the league. So he's getting some tough challenges right off the bat. But even though he's struggling, I think it's good that he's getting this experience to come right in and start against some fantastic competition in his first three games. And and he did make some good tackles in space as well is definitely going to be valuable for him. I think it's good for him to be getting this experience, but
0: this was probably his worst of the three starts so far. Definitely. All right. Last question I have for you, not really related to the game. I mean, it, it ultimately is. If the Henry Ruggs touchdown, like you said, and like, I'm going back and forth. I mean, I think it's an extremely stupid call and I I think Greg Williams is a better coach than that, but I I agree that I don't think as Robbie Sabo said on Twitter, this isn't pro wrestling. Um, If this was a legit call, do you think there's any chance and our listeners will pretty much already know the answer to this. If they're listening on Monday or Tuesday, or whenever they catch this podcast, do you think there's any chance that that the jets could fire Greg Williams um, after this game or even Adam Gase for that matter? Do you think they're just fully committed to the tank that they won't, pull the trigger i think gase is probably safe for his offense at a a solid day but if that was a legit call by greg williams and if if joe douglas does want to send the message that that is not what jets football is about do you think there's any chance they move on from him or do you think look this was a tank call or look greg williams is a veteran coach there's only four games left what do we gain from firing him what are your thoughts on that do you think his his job could be in jeopardy from this i i really don't think so
1: but just because there have been so many good opportunities to do that you go back to the first couple games of the season talking both Gase and greg williams or really anyone
0: on the Uh, staff uh, but okay i'm gonna cut you off right there 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 hasn't been a play like that for greg Williams. i mean that right but i mean the
1: team has played worse games defensively still and this was very bad yeah, uh, but the players similar... are
0: literally saying that we're trying to lose. I mean, that's how bad of a call this was. Whether he was or wasn't, the players, a lot of players and a lot of fans, and the national media will certainly be saying tomorrow that the Jets tried to lose. So I, mean, if you're the I, Jets... I wouldn't rule it out. It could
1: definitely happen because of what you're saying. Like this is, this is different because not even from a performance, overall production standpoint, just the last play of the game being that egregious definitely stands out. And then the fallout from it with players calling him out I could definitely see it happen. I, I'm just leaning on the side that it won't because the Jets have been through so much this season already and they haven't right. done a single thing. So I lean towards no, but but the
0: points you're making are solid and it definitely, I could see it happening. I'm, I'm going to lean no, but it's possible. And even if they are tanking, I don't really think that Greg Williams getting fired hurts the tank. I mean, if, if Joe Douglas is end goal is getting Trevor Lawrence. I don't think firing Greg Williams really affects that. I like ahead firing an Adam Would I feel like if you fire Gase, you might get a shot in the arm and pick up a few wins like the Texans have, but you fire your defensive coordinator after a call like that. Uh, you know, you promote Joe Vitt or Denard Wilson or something. I don't really think that the defense's performance will change that much. It would probably change more for the worse Cause I do think Greg Williams is a good coach. I mean, this is certainly going to be a storyline that'll be talked about. Not just this week, but if the Jets do end up with Trevor Lawrence, I mean, the infamous Cole Beasley knee that cost the Jets Nick Bosa. I mean, this is something that I think Jags fans will be talking about. The Jets intentionally tank this game. There's four weeks to go, though. Next week, they get Seattle. I'm hoping Denzel Mims can can Moss Jamal Adams. That's pretty much the only thing I'm cheering for in that game. But I don't see any way they, they can win that game traveling out west. Then they get Jared Goff the next week. Uh, I think they're going to get blown out by Seattle. So I don't know if confidence is going to be too high heading into that. I think Sean McVay will probably tear this defense apart. Maybe Jared Goff can throw up a stinker and the Jets could steal a win. But I think that's probably another L and the last two games of the season, that's really where you should should keep your attention. I think the next two are, are pretty certain L's, but the Browns, they looked good. As you said, they looked great today against Tennessee. Um, but you never know they're going to be on the road. It's week 16. Baker Mayfield's inconsistent. You never know about that one, but I feel pretty good that the Browns will win that. The game that scares me is that week 17 Patriots, especially if it's meaningless, especially if the if the Jaguars haven't won a game at that point. Yeah, if we're
1: going to blame Greg Williams for throwing games, then this guy in New England, I would keep an eye on him. Because like you're saying, if this is a meaningless game and Bill Belichick is out of the playoff race and has a chance to keep Trevor Lawrence out of his division. That's, I, I, I'm, that, I'm,
0: I'm afraid of it, for sure. I think, I, and, and you talked about the strength schedule is completely ruined at this point. I mean, not completely. They, they could still catch him, but didn't get any help this week. I think that I'm cheering for the Patriots to stay alive. I don't want the Patriots to be in a meaningless situation. I want the Pats to be fighting for a playoff spot um that week 17 yeah and
1: they're um, they're gonna beat the chargers today so they're definitely gonna they're gonna be at 500 and right in the mix so it looks like they are on the way to if,
0: yeah if they can just be alive for that wild card spot that would be amazing but the game that i feel it's gonna come down to is that week 16 bears one uh, i think the jets can still lose the patriots obviously they have a, in some ways a worse quarterback and darnold they're gonna be on the road but they do get beckton back um you, you know so there are some positives and negatives there. And especially if the Patriots aren't playing for anything, maybe they're playing Jared Stidham. And like you said, Bill Belichick has certainly bent the rules in his favor. Plenty times. There's nothing to say that he'd rather have Justin Fields in this division than Trevor Lawrence. That's the other thing to notice that the jets would have to go three and one over the next four games to not be picking one or two. So the jets are almost certainly taking a quarterback. I feel bad for Sam Darnold, but that is just the reality of, of the way he's played in the situation um, that the jets are in right now. But as I said, and like you've said, and everybody else has said, it's that week 16 Jags-Bears game that I think it's it's really uh, going to come down to. And that week 17 game, maybe maybe they can still game against the Colts, who knows. But certainly stressful times ahead, four games left. The Jets have not made it easy on us. That, that took a lot out of me. Um, and it's, it certainly took a lot out of you, Michael, as we heard in that, that brilliant intro. Um, yeah, I like don't think- know how I still have my voice right now, but, but I do. And I'm, I'm full I'm filled with energy from that. That was inspiring. I, I would make fun of you, but I imagine that my reaction probably sounded the same as as did many of our listeners. It was certainly a great moment, and if the Jets do end up uh, getting Trevor Lawrence, maybe he can have a permanent spot in the intro. Unlike the, I think the Robbie Anderson ninety yard touchdown. Your reaction to that? I think that had a one yeah that, episode that had a, life a good one episode lifespan. Yes. We'll take the, this the out.
1: Bradley McDougald intro.
0: <laughs> Bradley McDougall lasted a while. I thought it was pretty funny. It certainly it was less funny. funny. It, it was, was certainly less funny <laughs> in like week seven, but um, thank you for listening. You can follow us at CYJ pod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. You can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify. We're also on jetsxfactor.com. The best place to go for jets content. We're sponsored by manscaped. Use the code CoolYourJets for 20% off and free shipping. Michael, any last thoughts on this miraculous game? I don't know. My mind is still spinning.
1: It was just, I can't believe that. I cannot believe that happened. It was, that was, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm at a loss for words.
0: That was incredible. Derek Carr was about to be the most hated man in New York. And now he I was, know. he was right now. We're like
1: find a, a charity for Derek Carr. And, and by all means, go ahead and do that. But we were seconds away from Derek Carr being the most hated man, as you are oh. saying
0: in the New York city area, but he came through, he came through in the clutch. I'm looking forward to playing the Raiders next year in the Jets of Trevor Lawrence. Cause I think we can drop 50 on them. Um, and yeah, as far as donating to charities, if Mike Lennon can still win, I'll donate, I'll donate money to his charities. I think you might as well. There win. are a
1: lot of charities we got to think about rugs, yeah. Darren Waller, who P- dropped 200 <laughs> yards in this game. Pierre Seer. Pierre de
0: <laughs> They're fallen there's a long list. So fallen get victims from the out. tank. Yes. All right. Well, anyways, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, I'm sure this was, an insane way to, to watch football um, for, for anybody else who, who's in your household that's not a Jets fan watching you scream at a television to cheer for the Jets to lose must be confusing, but it's, it's almost going to be worth it. Four more weeks and the Jets might have their golden boy. If they pick up a win, then we'll talk ourselves into Justin Fields. But we'll be back next week, hopefully talking about another loss, maybe a, a Mims Moss over, over Jamal Adams. But we appreciate everybody taking uh, the time to listen to this podcast. Go Jets, four more weeks. Looks left under pressure. Pullets one over the middle. And he's got powder at the 10. Cuts it back at the 5.
1: Go line! That's over the middle in the air. Picked up. Brian Pool to the end zone touchdown. The to beat, and the putter brings him down. Brayton Man saved a touchdown, most likely. There goes Gardner to the 40. To the 30. Breaks the tackle at the 20. 10, 5. Unbelievable.
0: Touchdown.